If you like the show and you like to keep us around, why not support us at patreon.com forward slash geekykeys. For as little as $1 or more a month, you can get access to things like early episodes and much, much more. Simply go to patreon.com forward slash geekykeys and click on become a patron. That's patreon.com forward slash geekykeys. Welcome to another episode of the Kiki Keys Podcast Show. Yes, this is episode 19. And today we are delving into the mysterious world of extraterrestrials. Or shall I say, the universe of it. Right? You like that one? <laughs> Alright, but before we get into the show, two things I would like to mention. Uh, tomorrow is Earth Day. So uh, why don't you drop us a comment on our SoundCloud page dot com forward slash geeky keys as well as on our facebook and our twitter and tell us what you do to, what you have planned to celebrate earth day and this coming sunday the official world premiere of the show genius now this will be showcasing the life and time of the famous or the infamous albert einstein Yes, I cannot wait for that one. I've been seeing trailers for it for the last two to three months, and I'm really looking forward to it. So finally, it is here. So yeah, why don't you drop us a comment as well what you thought about that show. That I'm looking forward to it. Really, I am. I cannot express how much. Right. But uh, let's get into our episode for today. Like I said, all about the mysterious world of extraterrestrials. Now, I feel this is something that has fascinated humans for the longest of times. And I think it really exploded with this whole Roswell crash conspiracy. Right? Alright, so today, instead of just blindly talking about aliens, we've broken it up into three different categories. Alright, so first category, we are going to give you a little bit of evidence just to kind of show you that it might be possible. Right? And then secondly, what we're going to do is we're going to say, if there is evidence, why aren't we seeing more of them? Right? Yeah. And then the third category is going to be the most important one. I think if we do find evidence for life, intelligent life out there in the universe or in our galaxy, we're going to ask the question that what will happen the day we meet? How would we make first contact? But yeah, we got all that coming up and much more. So why don't you stick around? Okay, so let's get into our first category for this episode. Giving you a little bit of evidence to support the theory that there might be alien life existing outside in our galaxy or in our universe. And I think one of the most substantial evidence is called the wow signal. Now I'm going to play you a little bit in case you have no idea what this is about or have no idea how it sounds or never heard it before. And even if you did, kind of a bit of a refresher on it. So listen to this. kind of eerie right but you can kind of i mean you can hear a pattern to the beeps and everything you you, you there's a pattern established right yeah so if you have no idea what the wow signal is let me give you a little bit of background on it now the wow signal was discovered by jerry r ehrman in 1977 yes all the way back in 1977 and this was done while he worked on the seti project now the seti 
the search for extraterrestrial intelligence, of course. Now this signal lasted for about 72 seconds, so I'm letting it run in the background while uh, I'm talking over it, right? Now the funny thing is about this, since then, the signal was never observed again. And it wasn't for the lack of trying either. I mean, now common sense would tell any radio astronomer or any normal person that this would be the very opposite of something generated naturally. Like for example, with a pulsar. Because of the fact that you can turn the radio telescope to the same position and pick the signal up again. It's almost like your TV. You just switch it back to the same channel, right? Now, obviously, obviously, because we are a reasonably technologically advanced race, and I say reasonably, we use radio signals on a minute-to-minute -minute basis. Now, one would jump to the conclusion that this signal, if it did not come from us, must be then some sort of signature from another race of intelligent beings. Now, let's say the signature is, you know, kind of their day-to-day -day lives, sort of like how we broadcast radio waves into the universe on a day-to-day -day basis. Then this would also mean that we should be getting a constant stream of data, so to speak. And yet that's not the case either. So there are some speculations that maybe, just maybe, this was sort of a distress signal from an alien race, almost like begging for help. And even if so, this source, the source of the signal, came from a place 200 light years away. So even if we were to send them a reply, maybe there'd be nobody left to receive the signal. And even if they were left, there would be no way for us to help them at our present moment and nobody there left to remember that the signal was sent in the first place. It's an eerie thing to think about, right? So, it almost begs the question then, if there is a signal, if the signal did come from an alien race, why aren't we seeing more of them? Why just this one thing? This one-off thing? And I think the most fundamental thing to ask is kind of laid out in the Fermi Paradox. Now I'm sure most of you know or have heard about the Fermi Paradox and how it explains our view on life elsewhere in our galaxy or in our universe. Now if you haven't heard about it or if you have and you would just kind of like a bit of a refresher then who better to explain it than the one and only Bill Nye. For those of you who for some reason are not obsessed with the Fermi Paradox Enrico Fermi posed the following, the same guy with the nuclear reactor in Chicago and all that, posed the following question. If there are alien worlds, as you might claim, since there are billions of stars in billions of galaxies, you would expect billions of planets and then you'd expect a few millions Earth -like, of Earth-like planets. Where, why haven't we heard from these other civilizations? And the answer, I think, is not that complicated. We've only been listening for other civilizations for 50 years, 70 years, depends how you count. And you have to acknowledge that civilizations have to emerge and be able to communicate at the same time. When you have something that's been going on for 13.6 billion years, there's a lot of opportunities to miss each other. So the Fermi paradox, for me, is not a reason to give up and uh, take the black capsule and have no hope for uh, 
humankind because we are just this unique thing in the middle of nowhere and will never amount to anything. Now the interesting thing about this is, for us mere humans, you pretty much can't go anywhere on earth without coming in contact with other humans. Even going to some of the most remote places on earth, even then, you're still only a few kilometers or miles away from any other human, with the obvious exceptions of a few islands and of course the poles. So the question begs, as it applies to Earth, how far does one have to go in our galaxy in any direction before coming in contact with extraterrestrial life? Never mind intelligent life, just life. So this to me is an obligation of a civilization, of a civilized society, is to prevent, just to present or to allocate just a little of our intellect and treasure to the search for extraterrestrial life because there's two questions that get every one of us. Where did we come from? Where did we come from? And that's, by the way, what the Rosetta mission is working on. <clears throat> it's going to a comet, which is part of the primordial, seems to be, and says certainly, part of the primordial solar system. So by understanding that, we'll understand more about where we all came from. And the second question is, are we alone? Could we possibly be alone in the universe? And to answer those questions, you have to explore space. Alright, so now having posed the question of, are we alone, quote-unquote, if the answer is no, you know, no, we are not alone, then we can get into our, almost in, into our third category, what would happen if we were to establish contact, the very day we meet, alright, so now we've covered evidence, we have covered why aren't we seeing more of them if there is overwhelming evidence? And the third thing, if we do make contact. And this is what we're going to get into now. The day we actually meet. The idea of humanity's first communication with extraterrestrial life has been an exciting topic for decades. Countless books, movies, TV shows, and every other form of media have long speculated what first contact would look like. Would they be little green men? Giant tentacled monsters? Would we even be able to communicate? What if they're not friendly? As popular a topic as it is for science fiction, how prepared are we for first contact in real life? Alright, now, the topic of aliens, when posed to the general public, sort of follows the same thought pattern as religion, right? I mean, it's in the sense of, when the question is posed, the question is always, do you believe in aliens? Now, for some people, this question is irrelevant. Because for these people, they believe contact has already been made. Now your first thought might be that these people lack their mental faculties. But I must admit, some of the evidence in favor of it is pretty overwhelming. Now listen to what Professor Stephen Hawking has to say on the matter. In my opinion, if aliens are here, I suspect the newspapers would be full of the story. And if governments are involved in a cover-up, they're doing a much better job at it than they seem to do at anything else. So let's assume to date, right? Let's just assume to this very day, no contact has been made as of yet. But today, we receive a clear and concise, let's call it a knock on the front door, right? The question we should be asking then is, are we ready and what possibly could we do next? 
Is there any protocol in place for the event of first contact? Perhaps surprisingly, yes, there is. The main official document goes by the catchy name, The Declaration of Principles for Activities Following the Detection of Extraterrestrial Intelligence. Alright, now, having looked at the evidence, pose the question of, quote, are we alone, unquote, and played out the scenarios of what would happen if contact was to be made, I think the exciting part of all of this, and this has been predicted, that we will have a definitive answer of whether or not extraterrestrial life exists in the next 30 to 50 years, which is nothing. It's a blink of an eye, right? Now, however, and I say this with all seriousness, not knowing if we are alone to date, has some scientists, including Professor Stephen Hawking, issue warnings saying that we should not poke the dragon until we know more, until we definitively know. Listen to this. Stephen Hawking once said, hey, look, you know, be careful about broadcasting into space because you don't know what's out there and you're alerting them to the fact that we're here and who knows, maybe 99% of them are, you know, very peace-loving and, and into poetry and stuff like that. But maybe 1% of them are not. They're hostile. And if you happen to hit those guys, maybe they will, you know, do something terrible like trying to, you know, obliterate the earth or something else that would ruin your whole day. You know, you can make that argument if you're of that sort, if you're kind of paranoid about letting anybody know that you're around. But the facts are that we have been doing that for the last 70 years. Ever since the Second World War, we've had FM radio, we've had television, and mostly we've had radar. So the radar set down at the local airport, that's broadcasting into space. Well, sure, it's not great programming, but anybody who's advanced enough to actually come here will have big antennas and they'll be able to pick that stuff up. So we've already sort of, you know, rang a bell saying, hey, by the way, there's not only life here on Earth, but there's uh, life that can build a transmitter. If you want to worry about that, I mean, you, it's too late to do much about it. We've been doing it for 70 years. Scary stuff, right? I mean, if we are alone, we have absolutely nothing to worry about. But the overwhelming odds that there might be life out there, billions of stars with even more planets orbiting them, Never mind the fact that they could house life, life as we know it, or how, life as we don't know it yet. We have absolutely no idea how life could evolve on other planets. I mean, we, we have predictions and we have ways of taking what we know and applying it, but there could be things that we haven't even imagined yet. It's a scary thought, but at the same time, it's also, it could be exciting. What better way for a civilization to get over their petty differences than coming in contact with a total different race? Not humans, but something completely different. I think it'll put it all into perspective. I think that's the day that we will forever stand as one. Something to think about, right? would actually love to hear what you have to say on the matter so why don't you drop us a comment like seriously go drop us a comment on our soundcloud page.com forward slash geeky keys twitter.com forward slash geeky keys you know and on our facebook page as well you now subscribe to the show we got a lot of this kind of stuff going on lately <laughs> but yeah hopefully we've given you something to think about something to talk about and something to debate about i mean because that's how you get the answers that's how people get convinced and that's how you make people think or how people make you think in ways that you haven't thought of things before. 
So yeah, thank you so much for tuning in for the show. Hopefully you've subscribed. Hopefully you will subscribe if you haven't. And uh, we will definitely see you with our next episode. Yeah, catch you on the flip side.